Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. On DAB Plus, online, via the TalkSport app, and on your smart speaker. Lions Daily on TalkSport 2. Well, good evening. I'm Tim Cocker. This is the Lions Daily on TalkSport 2, and here we are. There's so much edge, there is so much on the line, and we find ourselves at the start of the final test week on the 2021 Tour with all to play for. The series is tied at one game apiece following South Africa's victory on the weekend. That means the next six days are absolutely massive, and frankly, in professional rugby terms, it does not get bigger than this. So over the next hour, we're going to look ahead to the third test with the help of former British and Irish Lion, Jamie Roberts. Remember 2013? That's when the Lions won the first test in Australia, lost the second, and then stormed to victory in that deciding test. Jamie was a key cog in that performance, so plenty to talk to him about. Uh, The wingers, meanwhile, they have struggled in the test matches so far. Will they break free this Saturday? Well, Anthony Watson is today's player profile. We'll be joined by his former school coach, Mark Crean. And we're going to discuss what changes we think we could see for the final test. As you can probably tell, just a little bit excited on the Lions Daily. I'm going to bring in uh, TalkSport's Alfie Reynolds straight away to say... um, did I sound a little bit like Greg Wallace on MasterChef there? <laughs> <laughs> Rugby doesn't get bigger than this. You're not wrong, Tim. You're not wrong. <laughs> We've got lots to get through today. In just a minute, uh, I'm going to bring you news of the sightings, or lack of, which have been brought forward today. But first, here is what Warren Gatland had to say following defeat on Saturday as he looked ahead to that huge game this weekend. The players, obviously very disappointed, but next Saturday is a cup finals, and that's the way we've got to look at it and, and prepare and a few things we've got to um, tidy up in terms of our game and things but you know it's it's one all and they put a huge amount of emotion into that game South Africa did and so so we, we've got that chance next week to to hopefully tie the series up. I'm glad Warren Gatlin's at the helm and not me because he sounds very very calm I'm not <laughs> I'm from for lots of different reasons, um, uh, my emotions, my frustrations are, are all over the shop at the minute. I think we're all feeling the same, though. Mm. I must admit, watching on Saturday, Tim, I, I went back to, to being a fan, took off my media hat and working in the industry. I was frustrated. I was angry. I, I, was, I was just irritated by everything. I felt everything went, went against us. And that's how everyone's feeling at the moment, I think. Yeah. We have that, that 
animosity between the two sides and between the fans and everything, which ultimately I think is a good thing. Uh, I, it's making for a great spectacle this weekend. It's given us lots to talk about. Uh, and one of the things which leaves me with a well, I don't want to, I don't want to preempt what we're what we're going to talk about now. But th- there's a sense of injustice in the pit of my tummy. So we were eagerly anticipating which incidents from the game might be cited by the citing commission uh, from the second test incidents of foul play. But it's only Kyle Sinclair who will go before a judicial committee for an alleged bite. Joe Marler said on TalkSport Breakfast he was surprised by that. I just can't believe that's the only thing that's come out of this game yeah. in terms of the sighting. And I, I know my sightings. It's crazy because no one even knew about that one. No one even... Mm. <laughs> unless you're really looking out for some of the darker arts in it, you're not seeing that. There was so many. There's Colby's with the uh, challenge in the air. There's so many other things. That, and it's just been throughout the whole series of some sort of headline here, some sort of headline there. Mm. And I guess part of that... The reason why there's been so many headlines is because um, a lot of the rugby hasn't really been doing a huge amount of the talking. Like it's been mm. a bit like, oh, Joe Marler expressing exactly how I felt when I saw that news today. Firstly, it was what Cole Sinclair for a bite. It, it, I hadn't seen anything about that, and uh, well, fine, they can look into that. It will be judged on the evidence. Got got no issue with anything being looked at. But the fact that that was the only thing they looked at, how can that be, Alfie? I, don't, I Tim, I have absolutely no idea. Like you, like everyone else, I was expecting. I mean, how many incidents were there? There, were, there was a couple for Colby. There was Fafter Clerk hit Maratoje possibly. There was all sorts going Mac- on in that Mac- game. Macovanapola possibly with a high tackle as well. Exactly. So there was loads going on in that game. And then it was Carl Sinclair, an incident that the rest of us had no idea about. Yeah, and I think, I wonder if what's going on here is that this is World Rugby backing the ref. After all the things we talked about last week, they might be just backing the ref up. And all the decisions that were made on the field, they're they're backing them up. And this Kyle Sinclair one might be a very separate type of incident. Because I believe, am I right in saying, Alfie, that Ben O'Keefe was... Um, was uh, approached by Franco Mostert during the game about a bite, and he said, "I can't deal with that now." Exactly. Yeah, I was gonna. I was gonna say, should we try do our best to explain the, yeah. the incident that has been flagged up? Because a lot of people, like us this morning, wouldn't have really been aware of it. So that there was a a tackle, wasn't there? And yeah. then Sinclair and Mostert kind of went into a ruck. And with, with Mostert's arm around Carl Sinclair's head, and the allegation is that um, Carl Sinclair bit Franco Mostert's arm. Yeah, and from the still images I've seen and the images that I've seen, there's no way of necessarily telling from them alone. But as we understand it, Mostert flagged it up to the referee. The referee, for whatever reason, said that he couldn't deal with it then. But I would imagine that that surely went in his match report. And, you know, a bite is something that he must report. And therefore, maybe they're taking another look at it and he has been cited. That's the, the explanation that I would give for it. Absolutely. Uh, aside from that, uh, as I say, I wonder if they're backing the ref up. And I feel like I want to caveat everything we talk about here by saying South Africa were clearly the best side, totally dominated the second half, thoroughly deserved their win. But what happened during the game uh, and all these decisions we're talking about only makes me more annoyed at the irresponsible and unprofessional behaviour of Razi Erasmus, the sideshow he created last week with his one hour long critique of the video's uh, referee's performance from the first test, because there were big decisions to make in that game we just saw. And we'll never know if Ben O'Keefe had that in the back of his mind 
because it certainly appeared like they were reluctant to make some big calls and erred on the side of not making a big call at times. And if that's the case, then it just it just leaves a sour taste in my mouth. Backing up uh, on the back of what Razia Rasmus did again doesn't change the fact South Africa were the better team, deserved the win. Yeah, I would echo that as well. I know you know South Africa were good, weren't they? South Africa were were really really good, <laughs> really particularly good. in that second half. I mean, the Lions had no answer to them whatsoever. But I agree. I said to Hannah yesterday on the show, in fact, that to me it did look like an officiating team that was scared to make a decision that was going to grab the wrong headlines or what the South Africans would think of it. Um, but then on the flip side, Tim, you know, if I'm trying to look at it in a levelled way, the first test, the Lions probably got away with a few decisions. The second test, South Africa probably got away with a few decisions. And we're locked at one all. I think maybe, you know, despite all the noise and all the distractions, the series where is where it probably should be. Can you imagine what the atmosphere would have been like if there could have been a crowd in the stadium this weekend? Oh, I know. I know. Off the chain. It's going to be like that in all the pubs and rugby clubs uh, around the UK and Ireland and South Africa for that matter. But yeah, we've got to acknowledge scrum, mall, the aerial battle, the, the errors, the penalty count. South Africa were completely on top of all of that in the second half in the way that the Lions were last week and like you say in terms of decisions this time South Africa appeared to get the rub of the green their defence was absolutely awesome as well but back to just the uh, the fallout from that that sighting announcement earlier today at the Springboks media conference their assistant coach Dion Davids said that they trusted the process of world rugby which is somewhat surprising after last week's event and our reporter Nick Heath questioned his response good morning uh Dion, I'm I'm interested by your remarks on trusting the process, the world rugby process after the sighting. It's it's only a few days ago that the director of rugby was producing a 62 minute video criticising the process. Um, what has changed in that time? In my view, is that um, I think the list that things talked about um, referred to uh, to incidents in, in in that specific game. Um, it was also um, always a policy of, of looking at, um, um, at incidents in the, in the game fairly to, to give us a, a complete understanding in terms of where we can improve on and, and, and how we can prepare our players better. Um, I think uh, with that in mind, um, the things happen um, happening in this game, we, we still have the, the same outlook in, in, in being critical in terms of our game and and, and, and see how uh, we can um, perform and execute um, better on field and how we can improve our communication with the referee or the assistants in the game. And um, whatever happens in the game, I think um, there's, a, there's a thorough process that, that always go, goes with that. And um, in saying that, I think that is the same this week and, and, and we trust in the, the decisions that will be made on, on whatever calls have been made um, uh, in this game will be dealt in the in the right spirit and 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 we will have the right outcome. Okay, uh, South Africa assistant coach Dion Davids uh, playing a very straight back to Nick Heath's excellent question, pointing out the well, I, Nick Heath didn't use this word. I'm going to use in it the. Um, the irony or hypocrisy even of saying we trust World Rugby after the director of rugby puts up an hour-long video criticising in minute detail the uh, the refereeing call. And then at the end there, Dion Davids saying um, there's a process to go through and I'm sure it will be done. Mm. 
Kind of amusing, Tim, wasn't it? Really, mm. I thought. Um, I, I was listening through. I get so I get sent the full Springboks press conference. So kind of ahead of the show, I just have a little listen through. And earlier in the press conference, the assistant coach there kind of said, "We trust the process of world rugby." I was thinking, "That's a come on." You know, he said that with a straight face. And then Nick Heath, our reporter, popped up to ask that question. So I thought Nick did a, a good job there. Um, and it, it, there's, it's the thing with what we've heard from the Springboks. Some of what Razia Rasmus and, and what they've had to say uh, has been right in terms of some of the decisions and things. I think the way in which they've gone about saying it has been really poor, but they've done quite a good PR exercise of coming across as very reasonable and this and that. And, and so I was glad to see Nick um, just call them out on that a little bit. Yeah. And uh, listen, this is uh, it gives gives us all plenty to talk about. It, it gives a certain massive amount of edge to this game at the weekend. And as I keep saying, didn't change the result. It's uh, but it ruffles our feathers. Tim. It, uh, there's no doubt it ruffles we're, our feathers. We're, our feathers are ruffled. And they they really are <laughs> genuinely really are. But I, I guess when I look back at the 80 minutes, um, it, it was. I mentioned the defence from South Africa. It was, it was oppressive. It was suffocating, physical, and they just psychologically and physically dominated the Lions in the second half. And I, I just I'm, that's why I'm really interested to speak to Jamie Robertson a bit because the psychological battle that you'll have to have to banish any doubts and get back on the horse for this weekend is going to be absolutely fascinating. That said, I do think at this level. The pendulum can swing with only a tiny little shift in a few little bits and bobs here and there. It's kind of what we said last week as well, isn't it? When we were looking ahead to the second test and everything was great because the Lions had won, we said, look, South Africa weren't that far away from winning. And even though the scoreline was more comprehensive on this occasion, you do feel like it was just losing control of a few areas, whether it was the aerial battle or the scrum, and all of a sudden the game really got away from the line. So look, who knows? The other interesting point is Alex Corbusiero, who was part of that 2013 tour with Jamie Roberts, uh, was on the show yesterday and said straight away when we asked him who he thinks will win the series, said the Lions. Based on his experience in 2013, he thinks the emotional investment and how draining that could have been for the Springboks to have to win that second test, he actually thinks could be an advantage for the Lions. That is very interesting. I I, I mean, yeah, we can look at statistics and things. And I know with Hannah yesterday on Lions Daily, you mentioned the the very low metres which the Lions made with the ball, uh, one of the lowest. And certainly compared to previous Lions tours, about half of the next lowest uh, and in since Opta started recording data, the Lions had the lowest ever meters per carry of any game at, in, at, at test level. Which, Says it all, doesn't it? Really, this is an incredible statistic. Um, so there are some things that might need to change. And again, later in the show, we will talk about that on the Lions Daily on Talksport Two with the famous Grouse, the spirit of rugby. Eighteen plus, be drink aware. You won't miss a moment of the Lions with us. We've got one massive game to go. And all the analysis from the weekend just gone and building up to this weekend, the opinion and live commentary of the final test match on TalkSport this weekend. Next, we will be joined by Jamie Roberts, former tourist in 2009 to South Africa and part of the Lions winning side in Australia in 2013. Gives it to Jamie Roberts. Hands off one, hands off two. Jamie Roberts goes over the sideline to score. Another try for the Lions, and that is series done and dusted. Australia 16, the British and Irish Lions 39. Just keep everything crossed. We have similar scenes for the Lions this Saturday. That was Jamie Roberts scoring in 2013 in the deciding test 
in a winning series for the Lions against Australia. And uh, Jamie joins me now. How are you doing? How you doing, buddy? You all right? I'm very well. Now, Jamie, you were with us on the opening day of this Lions tour at that first game at Murrayfield. Uh, what have you made of the tour since then? Oh, do you know what? It's been a fantastic tour. I've uh, really enjoyed it. I know, obviously... Would have loved to have been there in person, as as a lot of us would have been there. Would have loved to have got over to South Africa, um, but yeah, just en- enjoyed obviously the warm up games, the, how competitive the test matches have been, and now that it's come down to the final weekend, it's been a proper proper tour. I'm, I'm sure the lads have uh, had it, you know, quite challenging uh, being in the same hotel, you know, not having to. Uh, not having the ability to go out and, and see the sites in South Africa. So that's been challenging for the players. But I think as the supporters, you know, I think we've enjoyed the tour. Some stuff has been quite frustrating over the last few weeks, isn't it? But uh, really looking forward to Saturday. Yeah, and, and we can draw on your experience from 2013, as, we, as we've been mentioning. What were your feelings on that Monday after, you, you know, you had a win in the bank and could have sealed the series, but you lost that second test? Um, I was hung over on the Monday, I think. Warren Gatman <laughs> gave us four days off in Noosa. Beautiful little place on the on the, uh, the eastern coast there, uh, I think north of Brisbane. Um, after after losing that second test, our first session was on Wednesday, so we actually flew to Noosa. Um, a lot of us went down the, the the local pub, and we had a had a pretty decent session actually. <laughs> and so on the Monday it was pretty over. Tuesday was Monday, Tuesday was chill. You know, a few lads went surfing, um, just potted around Noosa, and then we got back into things on the Wednesday. So. Yeah, it wouldn't surprise me if Warren has done a similar thing uh, with the lads this week, let the lads have a bit of a blowout on Saturday night and then, you know, a couple of chats Monday, Tuesday, but probably get back to rugby on the Wednesday. That is fascinating. And as much as anything, is that just relieving the the the, 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 the psychological side of it, I, I guess? Does that basically... Well, all it's you, just, it's, yeah, go on. Yeah, I was just saying, it's probably just making sure that you can emotionally peak the following Saturday. I mean, these test matches are huge and, and to, you know, the, the majority of that team will likely remain the same. I'm sure there will be changes, but likely only a handful of changes. So to peak emotionally on the Saturday, three Saturdays on a bounce is, is very difficult. So, you know, I think you have to have to, have to alter that training week in that third week to make sure your boys are there. Come come Saturday at kickoff time. If you if you go too hard on a Monday Tuesday, you've probably lost them by Thursday Friday. <laughs> they can't wait for the week to finish. So it's um, I think it's, I've certainly been in teams where Warren has done that in the past uh, with Wales and with the Lions as well, um, where he's given the lads a lot of freedom on the Monday and Tuesday, and it shortens the week right up. And you, you make sure you're peaking come Saturday because these lads are going to have to peak emotionally to win on Saturday. Yeah, that's really interesting. Now, uh, one of the uh, everyone's talking about the you know what the selection might be for tomorrow. Uh, back in 2013, you were part of a very controversial selection decision. Your your memories of that? Um, yeah, look, is uh, fascinating. Look, I I know I I got injured the week before the first test, so the, the midfield partnership for the first two were, were Jonathan Davis and Brian Driscoll. Um, and I was very fortunate Warren kept me on tour I had a great two hamstring tear I probably should have gone home um, but the medical team and Warren backed me to get fit for that last game and, and luckily I, I was and um, with the way he wanted to play that third test I think he he think he, he kind of went for myself and John Davis who experienced combination um, I just remember the I think it was a Wednesday morning in the, in the hotel in Noosa and he, you know, typical Warren, just pulls out a shot of a bit of paper from his pocket, read out the team, 
And he kind of knew straight away, like, okay, I'm in the team, but there is going to be such serious fallout with Brian Driscoll not being named. And fortunately for me, John Davis took all the slack, all the all the uh, all, <laughs> all the slack off the uh, the media and on social media, etc. I didn't take much of the abuse, um, although I'd come in the team to replace him. Obviously, the 13 jersey is one that uh, John was wearing in that third test. So um, yeah, John took most of the uh, the hit from the media. Uh, well, actually, have a listen to what Tommy Bowe said on TalkSport earlier because uh, he's identified that the centres have struggled in these tests so far and uh, here's what he would do. I think bringing in an Owen Farrell to play it inside centre alongside Dan Bigger would just shift the focus. It would make more difficult for the South Africans to blitz up into the South African, uh, into the Lions' faces and, and cut down all our attacks. So I would like to see an extra playmaker being brought into that midfield. Dan Bigger passed the ball three times in the whole time he was on the pitch <laughs> that is unheard of I mean that that is just it just showed that the Lions were not out to play rugby and you know for me as a winger watching on somebody who really enjoyed the game and getting the ball in my hands and trying to attack you know that's not the type of rugby I wanted to play and it's not the type of rugby I enjoy watching Jamie that's the thoughts of uh, your old Lions teammate Tommy Bow. What, what, do you agree disagree what do you think I'll add something to that. It's not the type of rugby either that I think is going to beat the Springboks. I think I think the Lions caught them colds on the first test match because of their lack of match practice. And they actually outboxed the box on the first weekend. You know, the set piece was strong. They won the contact area. They won the aerial battle. Um, and they battered the box. But you're not going to do that two weeks in a row, let alone three weeks in a row. Uh, the Springboks will be better next weekend at the way they play the game. And so, you know, I think the Lions have to roll the dice this week. They have to go and play. They have to get the ball to width. I know it's easier said than done um, against the box. It's very high risk, high reward because they come hard off the line. You get it wrong, you end up end up shooting yourself on the foot. Um, but you get it right, you can cause them problems. So I agree with Tommy. I'd like to see uh, an Owen Farrell at 12. Um and whether that's bigger or Finn Russell at 10, I'd like to see them just put more width on the ball and try and get their best strike runners into the game. But we picked Duhan van der Merwe in the first two tests. I haven't seen him carry the ball um, in the back line. You know, I want to see Anthony Watson with his hands on the ball in space. Um, you know, we've got this, all these fantastic rugby players, but we're not seeing them in space. So, uh, yeah, I do agree with Tommy. I think Farrell come in um, at 12, and whether they stick with bigger at 10 or Finn Russell, um, remains to be seen, but um, you know, knowing Warren, he, he might bring Bundyak in and go and try and play, you know, kind of match the box at what they're best at as well. It's, it's going to be a fascinating selection, um, and I think either way, we'll kind of have an idea come tomorrow morning how the Lions are going to approach this test match on Saturday. Yeah, that's a really interesting thought. Um, Alex Corbiziero as well, we, we had him uh, on, on Lions Daily. He said he expects the Lions to win purely because of the emotional energy that it would have cost the Springboks and that what they would have used to have won on Saturday. Uh, and he was referring, again, thinking back to the 2013 tour. Do you uh, identify with what Alex says there? Yeah, it's difficult, isn't it? Obviously, we saw the Lions um, just couldn't get to the same emotional level, I don't think, last week compared to the first week. The box were obviously a different beast. When you're backed in a corner, you're 1-0 down. It's a must-win game, isn't it? And that does interesting things to your individual and team psyche. Um, and we saw a, a really, really emotional Springboks. You know, to watch Sia Khaleesi running out of the change rooms, it was a it was a really, really kind of emotionally charged team, wasn't it? Mm. 
Alex is is right. Whether the box can reach those heights again this week remains to be seen. But momentum is with the Springboks. And what the Springboks do have is a game plan that they all know, they're all confident in. It's won them a World Cup. They haven't played together for a long time and they've come together and, okay, they got caught cold in the first game, but their game plan worked on the weekend. They squeeze teams, they beat you up in the set piece, they come hard off the defensive line and they, they go hard at the contact area. And they're the best in the world at it. And they'll be better for it. They'll be better at that next week. Um, and they'll take confidence from it. So, you know, Dwayne Vermeulen comes back in as well. If he's 30, he'll play. Um, so I, I just think the Lions have to be very, very smart this week in a way they they try and play the game. Because I don't think they can kind of beat the box at their own game. I just don't think any side in world rugby can at the minute. Um, they just need, to, just need to play with a bit more width and play a bit smarter, I think. Jamie, absolutely love your thoughts. Thanks for your time. Oh, man. Nice one. Nice one. Jamie Roberts there, former Wales and Lions legend, knows what it takes to win a Lions series, knows what it takes to play South Africa in their own backyard. And Alfie, um, some really great insight there. And I think I hadn't considered that uh, Warren Gatland might go even bigger and more solid in the centre with Bondiaki. That's definitely one to watch. Yeah, absolutely. I don't think many people would have mentioned that so far, have they? have heard maybe Farrell into the centres and could that help them spread it wider? But the other thing I thought, Tim, that was really interesting, what Jamie Roberts said, was what they did in 2013. So, you know, having, yeah. having a bit of a blowout after the defeat in the second test, only really getting back to proper training on the Wednesday to allow them to peak emotionally again for the final test on Saturday. I wonder how the Lions have gone about the recovery from the second test this time round? Because obviously we know that they can't go out, but you know, have they been given downtime or, or quite how they've dealt with that would be absolutely fascinating. Yeah, we'll have to uh, see if our uh, man in South Africa, Neil Manthorpe, might be able to pick the brains of a couple of people. Because, yeah, I, bearing in mind, same man was in charge in 2013 as, as now. Yeah. I think it's a, there's a fair shout that Warren Gatland has just said to the guys after Saturday, right, see you Wednesday. Relax. Yeah, you would have thought so. I mean, the only thing is we are... The, the team will be announced tomorrow. So I guess he could have told them the team without them necessarily doing yeah. any training and stuff. Yeah. So, so that could still work. It, very interesting stuff on the Lions Daily on TalkSport 2 with the famous grouse, the spirit of rugby, 18 plus, be drink aware. Commentary of every match. And that means the final and crucial third test between the South Africa and the British and Irish Lions. Next, we're going to focus on Anthony Watson. He was a player who hasn't maybe shown the high points he has done in the past, haven't been able to. None of the wingers have in the tour. Will he have a breakout moment this weekend? But more importantly, right now, where has Anthony Watson come from? He's our player profile and his former school coach, Mark Crean, joins the show next. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is plush care. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. 
So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. from Anthony Watson into the 22 fends off the defender and that's a sensational score Anthony Watson Bath Rugby England Watson who goes over and scores second try for the British and Irish Lions anytime you get the opportunity to play for the Lions it's a privilege so if I'd played more I would have been happy but the positive for me is that my body feels good so Anthony Watson and Anthony Watson will finally get his try these test matches so far in South Africa haven't exactly been games for the wingers. Well, certainly not the test series. Anyway, the, the games beforehand, the wingers were scoring for fun, but it's all tightened up. Nevertheless, we, uh, we've got one of the key players for the Lions in the squad who started both the first and second test so far as our player profile today, Anthony Watson. Uh, we only have a few more of these on the Lions Daily. Uh, you can catch up with the origin stories of all the previous players on the podcast listen again via the TalkSport app or just go and subscribe to the Lions Daily wherever you get your podcasts but um, yeah this is the part of the show where we chat to people who knew these guys when their rugby journey was just beginning and in the case of Anthony Watson his old coach at school Mark Crean joins me now hiya Mark hiya how's it going very good so tell me about when when you first met Anthony uh, the youngster and uh, what you made of him as a schoolboy. Um, well, I suppose uh, he was probably about 14 or so when I first uh, came across him. I was new to the school he was in, and um, you could see straight off that he was an extremely talented lad, uh, quite tall and gangly back then, um, but with a great sidestep and a really good attitude and always loved uh, loved the sport. That was the thing that was really clear. Like He always loved his rugby and really enjoyed it, played with a smile on his face, so... Um, yeah, it was always a real pleasure to coach. Was he a wing or fullback back then? Uh, he always played fullback. I suppose we wanted to try and get his hands on the ball as much as possible. So he played a little bit of centre in his last couple of years at school as well. But uh, yeah, mostly fullback because he was just so dangerous when the ball was kicked to him in the backfield. And he didn't do much kicking at all back then. Uh, he ran everything back at every opposition. And uh, yeah, he was pretty dangerous um, with the ball in hand, obviously. Um, you said he was uh, gangly back then. Was he a, a real standout player in the side? Or was it a particularly good side he was part of? What's the story there? Uh, yeah, so it was um, St. George's College in Weybridge, and it's not, uh, or when I was there anyway, it wasn't a, a massive rugby school, but it had a good tradition of rugby all the same. And um, uh, you're, he's the kind of player, him and a few others, you were able to build a team around him really um, and uh, yeah he was always a standout player like he was a standout player on the pitch any team you'd ever play against Anthony always seemed to be the best player on the pitch he was he was an amazing schoolboy talent like he was unbelievable and he's on, obviously gone on to be a, a really successful player since then um, but yeah he was always a standout individual uh, his 
pace was uh, unbelievable and his uh, his sidestepping, his ability to change direction and, and sort of brush through tackles uh, was pretty outstanding as a schoolboy. Uh, yeah, you say he's gone on to be a, a good player. That's uh, putting it lightly. A two-time British and Irish line. How do you feel when you see you see a guy who you first coached aged 14 at the very summit of the game? Yeah, it's amazing. And I suppose I count myself very lucky to just be associated with him in a very small part and, um, and very lucky to kind of have have coached him at a young age and be part of that journey. But uh, he's a great lad. And even now, you know, I send him the odd message here and there and congratulations and good luck and things like that in games he has upcoming, especially when Ireland are playing against England. That's always a good one. And, and um, around the British Lions and stuff like that, he's, yeah, he's done amazingly well to see him have more than 50 caps for England and on a second Lions tour, it's uh it's a dream come true, really, obviously, for him. Uh, he's done so, so well. So it's amazing to be um, to be attached in a tiny bit to that journey of his. So, yeah, he was, he's a really great bloke as well. He's not just as a rugby player. He's a top, top rugby player, obviously. But he's, um, I suppose, first and foremost, he's a really, really nice guy. Uh, really good lad and from a great home. His parents are lovely people and two really top-notch brothers as well who are lovely lads and extremely talented themselves as well yeah and I, th- I think sometimes people forget that actually he's he it wasn't so long ago he had a very very serious injury and i remember uh, his first game back i was i was working on that game it was uh bath playing at gloucester and what like his the leg that had been injured it, um was like spindly it was about half the size of the other one and he has worked incredibly hard to get to where he is now and, and, and be a standout for England and, and now the Lions again. Was that kind of mentality, that that relentless uh, desire there in, in the young man? Yeah, like as a young lad, he never in school, I can't remember him having any significant injury at all. So when he tore that Achilles, it was in, I think it was against Ireland in Twickenham um, when he did it uh, in a Six Nations game and um it was like you said it was a really really bad injury and then he was just coming back from the injury and he did the same thing again um in training so he kind of doubly injured it so to speak um and then had to work incredibly hard to come back and i know it was a long road from it was i think it was nearly a year altogether to recover from both the achilles injuries and it's a it's a very sort of big injury, especially for a sprinter to take away from his speed and stuff like that. But to get his speed back up to the pace he was at, um, you know, he incre- he worked incredibly hard to do that. And I only chatted to him a little bit about um, about the injury. Um, and um, I know he had to put in a massive amount of effort to, to get back to the standards that he was at before and probably push on from there um, like you can see the way he's built now he's a big strong fella and um, he's obviously done a huge amount of work on the track and in the gym and all that kind of stuff to, to get himself in the best shape he possibly can so yeah he was always a really hard working fella definitely 100% but like I said at the beginning he always loved the sport more than anything so it was, I, th- I think it's just that passion for the game and the love of the game um, he always had as well and without that you know you're, you wouldn't be willing to put in the hard work so he, he's the, both have got gone hand in hand together uh, the the enjoyment of the rugby and then his uh, his work ethic as well to get him back to playing at the standard he is with the Lions and everything it's brilliant to see 
Mark, absolutely. Now, we are going to be turning our attention, well, we are looking ahead to this weekend and the selection will be made tomorrow for that final test. Have a listen to what James Haskell said about, uh, well, about the back three who struggled under the high ball. Stuart Hawke, I said in the first half, he hasn't looked that comfortable under the high ball. He's got all of his fingertips strapped, obviously for that extra moisture you were talking about. This is about the fourth high ball he's dropped. He was under a lot of pressure, though, for that last one. And then again, you know, they've uh, Pollard has put a beautiful cross-field kick, kick in. Mapimpi wasn't going to be stopped from there. The Lions had run out of numbers. Now, it wasn't just Stuart Hogg. The, the kind of holdback three struggled under those aerial bombs. Uh, did you feel frustrated for Anthony on Saturday? And, and do you think he'll retain his spot in the side? Uh, well, I suppose like selections, <laughs> it wouldn't have anything to do with you know to do with me and everyone will have their opinion about who should play and and so on. Um, but uh, the pressure environment of playing in a match like that when you've got a, a bunch of colossal South Africans uh, steaming towards you and the high kicks and all that kind of stuff and yeah, the back three seem to be scrutinised fairly heavily uh, in the media. Um, and there's a love, obviously a huge amount of talent there with Adams and uh, Reece Samus, uh, uh, Williams as well, and they're all putting pressure on each other, which is what you want really. Um, so I suppose there's there's bound to be a few changes in the side, um, and you would expect a couple in the back three definitely. I would like to think that he'll be selected, and you know I'm obviously biased, but I, I would pick him on the wing with probably. Uh, Adams on the other and Williams at full back but <laughs> that's just my pick and everyone will have a different opinion I think like you know in the first test the the back three were very good so there's no reason they can't have the same back three and then turn it around in the next game if they play slightly differently but uh, I suppose it, it, there's so much pressure in that game and there's always going to be mistakes made um, but I would like to think that the experience that he brings to the back three and usually he is very good in terms of his aerial game and and uh, he's got a lot of experience back there that I would think that he'd get picked again but like that's just my opinion and it's a biased one um, so it'll be interesting to see what they, they put out in the final test and hopefully it's a, it's a bit of a different match um, in ways and you'd like to see him get the ball in space I think uh, I'd always like to see him at full back at some point, but I don't think that's going to happen now. But I think he was picked to play full back earlier in the tour and then through an injury to someone else, he was moved back to the wing, so he didn't get a chance there. Um, but, uh, yeah, just wait and see, I suppose. There will definitely be changes, but I would like to think he will get another shot, um, probably on the wing. I'd keep him on the same wing. And, uh, yeah, have to wait and see, I suppose. But uh, it's... It's highly competitive at that stage, isn't it? It is that midday tomorrow, and uh, yeah, well, that's that's the fi- the final segment of the show. We'll be focusing on the selection uh, of the Warren Gatland will make tomorrow. Just finally, Mark, if you were talking to Anthony now, and I know you, as you said you send him the odd message, but if you were talking to him now and not me, what would your message be? Oh, that's a tough one. Like any time I do talk to him, I don't really tend to give him too much advice <laughs> because he would have all the best coaches, uh, certainly in the Northern Hemisphere and the best coaches in the world, I suppose, give him an advice and they analyse everything just to go out and, and enjoy enjoy the game as much as you can. He, he doesn't need me to tell him what to do right and wrong. He has 
teams of people uh, analyzing his game and he is an expert at what he's doing he can he knows what he's done right and wrong and you can look at the uh, different points as he's done but I, I suppose the biggest thing is go out and enjoy yourself and just back yourself you want to see him when he gets the ball gets in just back yourself have a go and I really like to see that from the whole Lions team back themselves with the ball in hand and you know there's so much kicking going on in the game these days it's so attritional and there's two huge packs of forwards and backs I suppose knocking lumps out of each other for the whole 80 minutes and uh, I'd just like to see the ball get into the strike players um, hands a little bit more guys like Anthony and and um, Henshaw and Adams if he's playing or whoever and just trying to move the ball a little bit more, get the ball to space and just have a go, have a crack and uh, don't worry about their strengths too much, sort of play to our strengths a little bit more um, and just enjoy himself. Listen, go out and do what he can do. That's the main thing he's shown over the last few years, how dangerous and how good he can be. So it wouldn't be too much technical advice, I suppose. Enjoy yourself and back yourself. That's the main thing for me, I suppose. Top man, Mark. Really appreciate your time. No problem. Thanks. Good to talk to you. All the best. Good man. Uh, Mark Crean, former school teacher of Anthony Watson and speaking a lot of sense as well on the Lions Daily on TalkSport 2 with the famous grouse, the spirit of rugby, 18 plus be drink aware. And next, yeah, I'm going to pick up where Mark just left off. We're going to discuss what changes we would make to the Lions side if we were picking it. I'm hoping we're going to see a lot, maybe a lot of changes in the third test and potentially a different uh, style of tactics as well from Warren Gatlin. It's got to be a mindset change from the Lions, you know, and I think it will mean a personnel change because, you know, if you're going to play this kicking game, put people who are great at kicking, uh, chasing the kicks and catching it. Don't put an attacking back line with Anthony Watson in there and a back row trio that can actually operate in the loose. You know, we'll spend the next couple of days reviewing the game and then looking at what we think is the best 23 to put out and whether that's some some fresh faces that haven't been involved in the, in the first two, two games. I don't really think they're going to make changes there. You've got a squad, you've got world-class players. Southern has shown he can scrum well. They've just got to be really, really savvy with how they box against the Springboks. This is the Lions Daily on TalkSport 2. I'm Tim Cocker, and uh, thank you to uh, you, Alfie, for using your own CDs for, for the music for that one, mate. I appreciate that. Yeah, that I, I will admit it. That was an incredibly tenuous one today, Tim. Yeah, well, Nelly and Kelly Rowland with the song Dilemma. Because Warren Gatland is faced with dilemmas, he, right? He is. I'll, I'll give you that. It Fine. makes total sense. Makes, makes, makes sense, yeah. What would you have gone with, by the way? Uh, David Bowie, Ch-Ch-Ch-Changes. Okay, yeah. would have worked. In future... Go to the person who's worked in music radio for yeah. a number of years. Yeah. Well, we're talking rugby now, and we're talking Warren Gatland's match day squad, which will be announced at midday tomorrow. Between uh, now and the end of the show, we're going to decide if if we would make any changes. Were we Warren Gatland? Uh, who would we bring anyone into our match day 23? Would we chop and change the 23? First up, though, here's what Warren Gatland had to say about the possible inclusion of Liam Williams this weekend. We got nothing out of today, and we we did get a, a lot out of last week in terms of that aerial stuff. And it, we knew a lot of that was coming, and we worked on it um, during the week. Yeah, obviously Liam was disappointed, and, and he's he's one of those players that will come into contention as, as will, will others as well. Or you know, do we do we put that same team out and give them a chance to to redeem themselves? So I mean, those are the conversations we'll have over the next couple of days. 
Well, let's have a conversation right now. Warren Gatlin's making up his own mind with his coaches. Uh, front row, would you make any changes, Alfie? Uh, presuming he's fit, I would have Wynne Jones coming in. Mako on the bench. Agreed. And Rory, Rory Sutherland drops out. out. I would also drop Ken Owens. I thought he didn't have a good time when he came on. That was my other one, yeah. So Luke Cowan-Dickey and Tiger Furlong I'd stick with, but I'd have Jamie George come in and replace Ken Owens uh, on the bench. Agreed. We're, we're agreed there. Any In the, the second row, I'd, I'd keep the same. Marrow and Alan Wynn. Yeah, I actually don't have any. I have quite a few changes, but that that's the only one in my forward pack, in my okay. in my starting forward pack. Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna switch Tyburn and Courtney Laws around. I, okay. I, I I love Courtney Laws, and I want his physicality there off the bench. But I don't think you lose a huge amount in that sense by having Tyburn in instead. What you get is a little bit of X factor, a big turnover at a crucial moment, a little offload that can put someone else in space. Tyburn has got that possibility. And when you're trying to break down this really oppressive South African defence and you're trying to match it as well, I think Tyburn could have a, a special moment. So I'd just flip them around. That'd be my call. Yeah, it's a good shout to be fair. I hadn't really considered it. I just kept Tyburn on the bench. So I kept my starting forwards the same. The... Only other change, I was tempted by Hamish Watson instead of Faletau and then having Curry potentially as a number eight if you needed. So not almost having a specialist number eight on okay. the bench, um, possibly in Hamish Watson just with, just with his ball carrying. The other thing to flag up, of course, I presume you have Carl Sinclair on the bench still yes. to you, which obviously with his sighting Quite right. might not be there, in which case it will be Xander Fagerson. And I'd have serious concerns from what we saw from Xander Fagerson on tour so far if he was the replacement in the front row. That is actually quite a good call. Um, yes, I hadn't considered that at all. You're quite right. Uh, as for the back lines, you said you had plenty of changes. So uh, go on then. Yeah, so I do have quite a few changes and it's not so much trying to change the style of play. It's almost just trying to maybe invigorate the team a, a little bit more and see some other options. Um, so I've, I've put Ali Price back in at nine instead of Conor Murray. I thought it worked in the first test with Murray coming off the bench. I know the second test was so different. And if you had yeah. Price starting, it it probably wouldn't have made a difference. But I'm tempted to go, to revert back there. Uh, I do hear what you say, actually. I think it always is it's hard to... Exactly, you're absolutely right to hard to judge it because in the first test, the, the Lions pack were on top. Second test, the South African pack was on top. Whichever scrum half was in the first test, we probably would have been saying they did better. Um, so I could go with that. I think he'll keep it the same and I probably would keep it the same and I quite like the impact of, of guys like Ali Price from the bench. Uh, Farrell, Owen Farrell is in my team. I, I can't, still cannot decide whether it's going to be at 10 or at 12. If it's at 12, I am tempted to put Finn Russell at 10 inside him because I thought the two of them actually looked really good when they played together in one of the warm-up matches. Can we draw much from the warm-ups though? No, you can't. You're you right. Far- Farrell's in my team. Yeah, so I so the, I think this is one of the big questions, really, for Warren Gatland, is does Owen Farrell come into the starting team? So I've put him at 12, yeah, with okay. Dan Bigger still at 10, and, and I, just having that extra playmaker. I, I could go with that, you know. Uh, yeah, I'm going to go with you on that. I'm, I'm going to go with you on that. And hopefully the two distributors means that we might see those wide men actually getting a bit of uh, ball. So that means Robbie Henshaw out to 13. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and I don't think you're ever going to score 30, 40 points against South Africa. And and I actually don't want to just throw caution to the wing, uh, the wind and, and just try and chuck it about loads. I still think it's going to have to be a fairly pragmatic performance. But when you do get opportunities, I want to see them strike. And I'm hopefully a, a bigger Farrell combination could actually do that. As for the back three then? Yeah, a couple of changes for me. Same. So I reckon we're... I, I would guess we would be the same. I'm keeping Anthony Watson. Correct. And Agreed. I've got Josh Adams coming in. Agreed. 
and Liam Williams coming in at fullback. Agreed. So two Scots out, two Welshmen in. Yeah, it's not a great look, is it, for our Scottish listeners? They're going to be saying biased Englishman there. But I just, I want to see Josh Adams after how good he was in... The... Oh, oh, and Chris Harris and Roy Sutherland out as well. So that's four Scots. Yeah, we've been quite. I put Hamish Watson back on the bench, right? So you know that's the quarter Scottish blood in me. That that's obviously why I'm selecting him there. I just think Josh Adams was so good in the warm-ups, and I'm contradicting myself because I've just said we can't count anything on the warm-ups. But I don't think Duan van der Merwe has done that much in the tests. Admittedly, it hasn't exactly been great for the wingers. But I think the the trip on Colby was sloppy and silly at the weekend to get a yellow card. He wasn't great under the high ball. I would back. Josh Adams to be better under the high ball so that's kind of what I'm thinking there I'm in agreement with you on that the only opinion that really matters and we've got ours and I'm sure you've got yours you might be shouting at your radio right now we might be in agreement or completely alternative views from Warren Gatland his is the only view that ultimately matters and at midday tomorrow we will get the team Um, until then we can just keep well, we can keep chatting in pubs, living rooms and uh, clubhouses up and down the land. And uh, this is the Lions Daily. This is where we chat about it as well. On TalkSport 2 with the famous grouse, the spirit of rugby, 18 plus, be drink aware. The podcast available wherever you get yours. Go and hit subscribe. Uh, also on the TalkSport app in the podcast section. Everything to play for this Saturday evening. And full commentary of that crucial third test between South Africa and the British and Irish Lions on TalkSport. Kickoff 5pm.